It's 12-sided guys time. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as the guy whose dastardly plan was thwarted by two summoned direwolves. But welcome back. It's been awesome to see that we have some really great fans. We're glad you're enjoying this podcast. And if you like it, maybe someone else you know will like it too. So spread the word. Leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and it'll help other people find us easier. I won't bother pitching our patreon.com slash 12sidedguys this week. That's one two-sided guys. Instead, just know that we're so grateful to everyone that's excited about what we're doing. It keeps us excited to keep doing it. And if you've ever defeated an evil wizard by spinning around with a bug catching net, then this podcast is for you. Buckle up for the Crystal Codex, episode 17. So quick question. That was that was a link to the past reference, wasn't it? You betcha. Can you use the bug catching net against the wizard? Against yes. Aghanim, you can. <laughs> what? Yes, you can. It has yes, no that. it has no accuracy though, but yeah, you can. Yeah, it just it just wherever wherever you're at in your spin, it just goes flying off in that direction. Heck yes. But I have beat him with it before. <laughs> we played that game a lot. Oh, yeah. nice. I loved that game. I sent my picture into Nintendo Power showing that I did it with zero live, like with a, you know, zero deaths. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Very Man, cool. You were cool. <laughs> you were super cool. <laughs> All right, here we go. The battle was so close he could hear it. Shouts, clangs, the whoosh of sudden gouts of flame. The light of a growing fire could be seen painting the tops of the trees nearest the river in light. It, is that the Imperial ship burning? Thought Hop, the youngest of the Imperial patrol. He could almost hear the pop of the flames. Then, quiet. All quiet except for the commands of Sergeant Barnard. Sweep west and then continue north. Apprehend anyone out in the woods and sort things out at daybreak. Those we was warned about are probably captured or sink into the bottom of the river. Sure as not. But we've got a job to do. Move out! Sergeant Barnard's plate armor creaks as he walks, and the rain makes quiet pings off the metal. Keep those torches up. We want to see anything approaching or trying to hide from us. The soldiers on either side of the Imperial line do as they're told, casting light around their small band, but making the space beyond the torches glow seem all the more dark and oppressive. Slowly, methodically, they trek through the woods, quiet due more in part to the cold and depressing deluge of rain than to the, the desire for stealth. Around trees and over rocks, through scrub and puddles they plod, in the clearing, one of the swordmen calls out, Looks like we've got a big cat over here. Sergeant Barnard echoes with, There might be more behind this tree up ahead. Both swordsmen start clanging swords together in an effort to scare away the beasts. Get out of here! Scat! Scat, cat! Scat! Suddenly, from up ahead, a little off to the left, a voice is heard yelling out, Fallen heaven is watching! Sergeant Barnard points his sword in the direction of the voice and calls out, There! That is what we're after! Sergeant Barnard rushes out into the dark towards the voice. Foolishly, in Hop's opinion, Hop knocks an arrow to his bow, looking for something to shoot, but finding only darkness. Suddenly, Barnard grunts and grabs under his right armpit before continuing his headlong charge out into the dark. Hop fires an arrow instinctively toward movement he spots behind a tree up ahead, just as two other arrows release at the same target. Did I hit? Hop thinks to himself. But before he can finish the thought, a giant in gleaming chainmail and fur comes hurtling out of the trees and into the torchlight. The battle becomes a blur. 
For a short time, it seems the Imperial victory is all but assured, but that was before the wolves showed up. As one of the giant monstrosities snaps at Hop, he feels warm liquid running down his leg. Blood or piss, blood or piss, please, oh please be piss. Suddenly Hop stands alone, surrounded by enemies. The giant in the gleaming chainmail, the old man with the sword as fast as lightning, the shrouded and cloaked figure that seems to have control over the wolves, and the spry, sneaky man with the glove that flashes with some unseen power whenever he's attacked stand over several dead and dying Imperial soldiers. One of the swordsmen surrenders, dropping both weapons and falling to his knees. At that, all of the resolve that Hop can muster dissolves away. Dropping his bow, he throws his hands up in the air. I give up too! I give up too! The four strangers look around at each other, as if unsure of what to do, before the elderly one, with the large cat ears and the cane, tromps over and lashes out with his saber. Hop's last thought as the blade whips out at him is, He's hitting me with the flat of the blade! Thank the lords and ladies, it's the flat of the blade, then darkness. How dare you give our <laughs> faceless enemies names? <laughs> How dare you make it more real? It's the same reason you don't name your pig and you don't name your chickens. <laughs> yeah, how are we supposed to mo- murder hobo everybody if we now have know they have like a family and a backstory? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Well, I didn't go into <laughs> I didn't go into um, the fact that his last thought was actually for his his girl back home, just waiting for him to get home so he can put a ring on her finger. Oh man! <laughs> Aww. <laughs> All right, guys. So this is where we find ourselves. You are in a clearing. You have multiple dead and unconscious Imperial soldiers lying around in the mud and muck. You guys are covered in blood and rain. Uh, Crumbles is there with. Apple Bottom still strapped to his back. Just a quick reminder for everybody: Apple Bottom is the nickname that you guys have given to Chancellor Ramsey. In case that's kind of gotten lost in translation somewhere, there's also these two uh, massive dire wolves. They're kind of licking their wounds because they didn't escape unscathed either. But they keep prowling around these these dead Imperial soldiers, sniffing at them, nipping at them trying to see if maybe they can get a little bite. What do you guys do? Well, first things first, Pine is going to pick up Hop's longbow. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And start to scavenge some arrows. It'd be good to to gather some of their weapons, um, especially the ones that are still alive. We want to make sure that if they do come to, they have a hard time reconnecting with with the rest of the search parties. Wait, you intend to... Leave them alive? Of course, they surrendered. To kill them now would be a war crime. I agree with Pine on this matter. Okay. Plus, one of them has a girl back home. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Hop. (laughs) Oh, sweet Peggy Sue. I'll see you someday. (laughs) Sorry, you can cut that. Please feel free to cut that from the recording. Hop and Peggy Sue. Roos is going to go and collect the daggers that he threw and and put, uh, sheath them. All right. I think Nari wants to check out that uh, overturned wagon and see how long that's been there and where it came from. Okay. Well, Nari, why don't you make an investigation check? And then, um, Roos, you make an investigation check as well. Oh, really quick, one thing. Um, if you guys want any kind of light, these torches are both lying in the grass. 
and they are sputtering and fizzing. And if you guys want uh, to keep the light, you need to pick them up out of the ground. Uh, Nari would definitely want to grab a torch. <laughs> okay, we'll say that you grab the torch from the the, the downed Imperial Guard, uh, Imperial soldier that's uh, closest to you, closest to the wagon. Um, and you manage to get the torch up before it goes out. Roos got a 27 on his investigation. Okay, yeah, you find every dagger, including the one that buried itself deep into that great swordsman's armpit. I'll pull it out and clean it on his clothes. Okay. As you as you go over and you start pulling out the dagger, the, the two direwolves are there. They're sniffing at the great swordsman. They kind of nip at you. They, they don't lunge at you, but they see you coming towards this body that they kind of see as being theirs. Um, now, they are controlled by Ebby, mm-hmm. but they are still freaking wild beast direwolves. Got it. Uh, Ebby's going to turn to them and say, Phobos, Demos, settle down here. They, uh, they actually kind of come over to you. Um, they put their tails down between their legs and they um, come over. They, they lay down on the ground next to you and they start licking each other's wounds and trying to, uh, you know, clean up the blood off their fur. So as it relates to these individuals that we've knocked unconscious, I'm thinking of having Phobos and Demos here carry them off into the woods, see if they can leave them someplace. That sounds like a, like a decent idea. We should probably search everyone first. But we probably don't want to spend too much time here either. So let's make a quick work of it. I agree. All right, guys, I got a list. Okay. <laughs> Pine would specifically be looking for, like, he already grabbed Hop's longbow, and I'm even naming it in my character sheet, Hop's longbow, even though I don't know the dude's name. <laughs> and I'd be looking for some arrows. I think with with our current state... Um, and being somewhat uh, uh, well, very damaged and, and low on on resources, being able to do some damage from a distance before closing that distance might help us out a lot. You managed to find uh, twenty three arrows uh, between the the uh, different scouts that um, had their bows and arrows. Perfect. Russ will pick up a bow as well and say, "All right, that sounds like a good idea, Pine." Perfect. Okay, you guys each have a longbow. Yeah, and I'll give you um, uh, twelve of the arrows. I'll take. I'll keep eleven for myself. Okay, sounds good. Ebby's uh, going to kind of look around on some of the more heavily armed individuals, like the the great swordsmen and some of the other long swordsmen, mm-hmm. and see if there's any magical artifacts or anything that looks kind of particularly interesting or valuable. Do you want me to roll like an investigation or anything like that? Perfect. Make make an investigation check. Got it. Ebby rolls a three. <laughs> you know, it seems it's it's you've got night uh, dark vision. Um, it seems like a lot of this is just mundane, um, you know, covered in blood, mud and dirt and gunk. Everything looks basically just a, like mundane, normal, uh, normal stuff. There's definitely some valuable uh, equipment, but um, nothing looks magical. Got it. OK. So are you guys looking like actually like looking to see? Do you want me to just kind of give you a rundown of what you guys can find? The only thing Roos would be looking for would be, be any gems or coinage. Okay. Um, what was your your investigation? Was what, 26 or whatever? 27. 27. Okay. So with that rule, I'll let you keep it. So you actually find, I mean, everybody hit around here has a little pouch um, full of money. Um, so there is 
there is pouches of money. And then you also, with that check, you don't find gems or anything, but you do find um, two healing potions. One on the great swordsman and one on one of the swordsmen. Well, that's handy. Russell put one of the potions in his pouch and offer the rest to the group. Okay. The other to the group, pardon me. Gotcha. As you're searching the bodies, see if they have any other sources of light, candles or or, or other torches or anything like that. Um, I think if leaving them here, if they wake up in the dark, it'd be a lot harder for them to make trouble for us uh, if they can't find their way around. We can, we can leave the one torch. Um. No, I'm saying well, let's, let's take them so that when they come to, they can't they won't have a way to see in the dark. Gotcha. OK, yeah. You actually find two more torches, so a total of four torches. And and Nari already has one. So three more torches. Okay. Anything else anybody wants to start looking through? There's definitely weapons and armor. Was there any money? I, did, I didn't... Yes, there was. There was a... Uh, with, but out of everybody, if you're going to take the time to go and grab pouches from everybody... No, just probably the great swordsmen and maybe just the three guys that were kind of in the south there and the great swordsmen. Okay, so you find a total of, let me do the math, 37 gold pieces. Any other coinage or just that? We'll say 12 silver and, and 15 copper. Okay, I'll, I'll divide that out and, and send it to everybody. Uh, does anybody have any shield? Like, did anybody have a shield? Yeah, the two um, the two guys who were carrying torches, um, they had shields as well. So um, the two, like, regular imperial soldiers um so yeah there's two two shields to choose from they both look salvageable and useful cool i think ebby's gonna grab one of those and just bring it along so that way if Mm -hmm. he has to go into like hand-to-hand combat he can sling one around and start using that too nice nari do you want any of these spears or or anything for throwing uh i don't think i need any weapons currently i think i'm pretty good with my hand axes um I was just trying to see what was going on over in this cart here. Oh, but that's right. What was your investigation over there? Well, I have to roll with disadvantage because I'm exhausted, so I got a one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm really tired, guys. Oh, man, you go over there to like start looking through things, and you instantly, as you bend over to kind of like move something, you 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 just, your hand goes right through the side of the wagon. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's all like... Uh, moldy and covered in moss and this wagon's been here for a while so i mean really quickly you decide there's probably nothing of value in this overturned old wagon all right okay there's other weapons around you do see um a couple spears you see there. you know that there were some long swords and some short swords and there were um there was a great sword and there was definitely some um some heavy armor quick question paul how distinct are these weapons and armor is it obvious these came from uh imperial soldiers uh very good question so um if so every all these soldiers they all have like a gray jacket that they wear over their armor and so their armor is pretty nondescript um it's the jacket that kind of denotes who they are so you could probably take a jacket off of them um and i mean there's like um five six seven yeah, there's eight different uniforms and then just like regular armor underneath. I don't think it hurt to take a uniform. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, Russell will grab a jacket and put it on over his shoulders as okay. he's handing out some gold and silver to everybody. Whose jacket are you going to take? 
the the archer hops, the archer that we knocked unconscious. <laughs> okay. A very plain gray jacket. Okay. And I will take I will take the jacket of one the swordsman we we knocked out rather than kill. Hopefully there's less blood on it. Okay. Next. And you have an officer's jacket. Nari wouldn't mind grabbing that great sword. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, perfect. All right. So Roos hands um, uh, Pine and Nari nine gold and Ebby ten gold. And four silver for everybody and ten copper for everyone. Very nice. And then as I'm handing the ten to Ebby, I'll say, we shorted you in the last time we divided it out, so it should add up this time. Oh, why thank you, Roos. The next drink's on me. <laughs> I appreciate that. Let's get somewhere warm, and, and I'd like that drink sooner than later. Yeah, if we're done with this, perhaps somebody can help kind of tie some of these unconscious guards to the backs of Phobos and Demos here, and we can send them off into the woods. All right, I'll take care of this archer who seems to have a very rich backstory and personal life back home. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, is this a love letter in his back pocket? <laughs> it smells of lilac. It's perfume. There's like a lock of hair in it. <laughs> yes. Oh, and inside you read it and it says, Our baby said her first name. It's Daddy. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> too far too far Sorry. oh man all right okay i'll, I'll start yeah final start tying up uh, what do you want me to make a check or what oh no that's fine you guys you just take the time these guys aren't waking up anytime soon the big concern is how much time do you guys want to be spending in this clearing no more than 10 minutes i think yeah i think as little as possible yeah yeah i think speed is is of the essence so we quickly quickly tie them up and then i think that still gives me probably 45 to maybe 50 minutes of dire wolf uh like summoning time still remaining right so right what i'd like to do is have one of the dire wolves call it uh demos head basically like straight north um for as long as that wolf can go until the spell basically wears off and then the other one will go kind of north by northwest that's okay. a good song by the way <laughs> wasn't that a movie who who does that song i'm trying to think of who does that one faded paper figures i don't know if i've listened if i've heard that or oh, it's north north by north lest we have to settle down that one i had no clue but north by northwest was a <laughs> Cary grant movie right <laughs> yes and if you watch it that little kid c- plugs his ears before the gunshot goes off because he knows it's going to happen because he's a terrible actor because he's in on the conspiracy, Paul. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Phoebos and, and Bopos, whatever their names are. Bopos and Lobos. It's, it's Phobos and Demos. They are Phobos the, and Demos. They're the, I think, is it Greek or Roman gods? Um, one is of terror and the other is of fear. Oh, jeez. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so that's legit. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah, they, they tear off with these guys dragging behind them, just bumping along on the ground. It's Greek, by the way. Uh, it is Greek. Yeah. So the Greek god of fear and the Greek god of terror. Mm. That's where we get phobia. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And those those are the names of the moons. Yeah. Those are the names of the moons on Mars. We named them Phobos and Demos. Ooh. 
Well, if these had been my wolves, I just got done watching that movie Mitchell's versus Machines. And so I would have named them Eric and Deborah Bot 5000. <laughs> Is that one good? The kids want to watch it this weekend. It was great. I okay. mean, as a, as, a, as a father, I just uh, with my oldest as a girl and I just bawled the whole time. OK. I'm excited. Duly noted. All right. All right. All right, you guys gather up. It's been about 10 minutes of going through gathering um, gold and um, finding some potions. Um, you, you guys are leaving uh, some dead bodies here in their uniforms with their armor and some weapons behind, but you guys gathered what you want. And what are you going to do? I think we, we continue the original trek. Maybe try to follow the path that the, uh, that the search party took so we don't uh, create too many new tracks. Maybe. I don't know. Sounds like a good idea. We could give that a shot. I think if we can rest sometime soon, if we can find a way to rest, that might be good. Definitely, yes. So, Roos, you can now see in the dark with the help of Gigi, right? Yeah, I can. We have a link where I'm able to kind of see what she can see. I can also create light with some of these crystals, and I'll pat my pocket that I keep them in. So I can see in the dark if need to, if we need to, or I can light up some, some stuff for us. It's risky. I don't, I don't know if I'd, hmm. Nari, would you be interested in riding on crumbles and I could try to lead him as I did before? I would love to ride on crumbles. I am exhausted. Hmm. Let's give you a break then. So I guess, yeah, I'd try, I try, I want to try to do the same thing. Leading crumbles. Okay. I'll put on my night GG goggles. <laughs> Just slap her on your face. <laughs> you got little suction mark uh, imprints on your face whenever she uh, comes off. Yes. That's great. Yeah, somebody did some awesome fan art of that too, by the way. <laughs> Shut <up>. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Ten Truly ten. beautiful. Yeah. Somebody's uh, Microsoft Paint uh, skills are off the charts. Um, so the, the marching order, I'm assuming, is still going to be Pine leading uh, Crumbles with Nari on and Applebottom on the back, followed by Roos, and then Abby bringing up the rear. Sounds good to me. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. After a few minutes of gathering things up and um, uh, uh, getting what you what you can, you head back. I'm guessing you are still heading south and trying to follow the path that these guys took, correct? It was an initial idea. I don't know. I think um, basically looking for a good place to rest, even just like a short rest. Okay. But I do think we want to generally head south, right? I would say, yeah, because I mean, I would I would assume that uh, the search parties are going to be going out in waves, kind of the same direction. So hopefully we've punched through their line at this point. Yeah, agreed. And I think um, the lake is kind of south by southeast, right? Isn't that kind of the direction? The lake is south by southeast, yes. Quick question, does Ebby have a sense for how much further away the lake is? Are we approaching it at all, kind of within a day's travel, or is it still a ways away? It's still a ways away. You guys haven't even gotten to like Tabory yet. Um, to, you haven't gotten level with Tabory. So um, as you recall, when you were on the ship, you figured you'd probably get to Tabory around like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, but you got attacked at like one o'clock in the morning. So you guys are still like eight hours of 
river travel away from Tabory. And then from Tabory, it's another day down to the lake. Got it. And now you guys aren't even following the river. Now you guys are heading south. So you guys are actually adding more time to your travel, which would be like whatever. Um, you're looking at your best guess is if you can make really good time, you can get there in two and a half days. We should call Kira. I think that's probably a good idea. Okay. Are you guys leaving the clearing before you do this call? Or are you guys hanging out here still? No, I think we should do it while we're traveling. Okay. Awesome. All right. You guys start heading out into the forest, stomping through mud and going around trees over rocks every once in a while. You come to like a little pond. It looks like these ponds are not necessarily always there, but the rain has been coming down so hard that the ground is saturated and um, areas that normally are just kind of low are now areas that are ponds and little, uh, little streams and things are starting to form. Um, it looks like there's no let up with the rain and the storm. So you head south, um, kind of following the path that you, at first it's pretty easy to follow the, um, the soldiers, um, marching because, you know, there were eight of them and they were all marching in a line. Um, but I'm going to need, if you guys are, do you guys want to keep following their path? Is that kind of the plan? Um, I don't want to follow it for too long because I don't want to risk running into like their, you know, base of operations or something. Yeah. If there's a way that we could maybe kind of carefully or somewhat stealthily eventually hop out of their path and off to the side, and then we can kind of head off on our own. That might not be a bad idea. So like find, find a place to break east. Yeah, that might be a good idea. All right. Um, yeah, you guys actually, as you're traveling south, I mean, just, uh, Abby, since you're le- or no, Pine, you're leading the way, um, but you've got other people helping you. Pine, why don't you make a either perception or survival check? I'll make a perception check. With advantage. So. Ooh. That would be a... Ooh, I rolled a six and a seven. Well, actually, here, I rolled a three and a four. So that makes a seven. <laughs> All right. I'm good at this. As you're following these these tracks, you guys are all kind of trying to kind of figure out where they came from. After about like 20 minutes, you lose sight of the tracks altogether. And it's not really your fault. Basically, the ground, uh, you you come to a, a spot where the ground is just so sopping wet that you can't tell what's track and what's, you know, puddle. And it's it's just you you lose sight of everything. Well, this is good for us. We've lost their tracks, but it looks like we've lost it in this mud puddle. So maybe they'll lose our tracks as well here. That's a fair point. This is as good a spot as any to start heading east, I guess. Agreed. Let's do it. Yep, I agree. All right. You guys start heading east. Uh, Nari, did you want to make a cell stone call? Yes, I would like to call Kira. Is there anything in particular we should tell her? Besides, obviously, that we're attacked and, and going on foot. Um, perhaps something along the lines of pursued by soldiers. Um, do we mention that we fought them off? Or do we even mention that we've been pursued by soldiers? I, don't, I guess we don't want to spook her, do we? No, we, maybe we just tell her that um, there, there's a possibility we've been betrayed and that she should be careful. There you go. We should also tell her how long it's going to take us to get there. 
we're thinking like at least five, three days, three to five days. Is that kind of our assumption? Probably three days. I Isn't what Abby said. It would take about two and a half days to travel. Give us three just to be safe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two and a half days. If, if nothing else unforeseen happens, wink, wink. <laughs> well, if you know what's happening, then it's not unforeseen. So therefore two and a half days. <laughs> okay. Cool. So I will pull out the cell stone and I will say, Kira, it appears we have been betrayed. We are no longer on ship. We are about three days away on foot. I think you got a few more words left. Keep an eye out for a traitor. Is that about, that's probably about it. That's, that's, yeah, that's like 24, 25 words. Okay. Okay. Well, shit, she's going to think I'm the traitor again. (laughs) Again? (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Maybe around another campfire, we'll ta- we'll I'll tell you a story. Well, let's find a place for a campfire. I'm interested to hear about your treachery. <laughs> I would love a campfire. Nari, as you're as you're sitting there with this with this crystal in your hand, suddenly it glows red again. Womp womp womp, and you get this response back, and it's Kira's voice, and it says, "Tread carefully. Still meet at Westfall Lake." There's an old settlement now destroyed on the North Shore. We are pursued, but no contact. And that's where she stops. Nari, you bring up an interesting point. We are betrayed, but I'm trying to figure out. I've been trying to piece it together. Who could have betrayed us? Initially, I thought it might be Applebottom, which is why I knocked him out. Also, so that he wouldn't take... You know, the, the opportunity of us encountering Imperial soldiers to, to make his move for escape. But the fact that Zach Braff seems to be in on the, on the treachery as well makes me think that it must have come from either Colbury or, or the mayor. Or the mayor's husband. Oh, yes. I mean, in cahoots with them, but that, that could have been how, how they were able to distract us and get the word out. Yes, possibly, yes, that Hulk Hogan-looking fella. He <laughs> does the mustache. <laughs> oh, no, last time I saw him, he was ripping his shirt off and, like, doing the whole, like, put his hand up to his ear and listen to the audience, so. <laughs> oh, man. I believe I heard him say something like, Come here, brother! <laughs> <laughs> didn't, he call us, didn't he call us little Hulkamaniacs as we were leaving? <laughs> I heard that. I heard it. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I bl- I distinctly remember him putting baby oil on his arms and saying Hulkamaniacs. Oh, you mean his 24-inch pythons? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, his red durag. Okay. So when when Ramsey left Tabory, he took about half or maybe more of their regiment of Imperial soldiers with him. When we met him in the cave, we only fought Ramsey and the deacons. So... Whoever his next in command was that was with him is probably still there. That would have been below him and Rolf. There's some sort of leadership still operating with about half of a regiment of Imperial soldiers. That's true. That's true. 
The thing that is, I'm just trying to wrap my head around is how we were betrayed by uh, Zach Braff. And yes, I'm calling him Zach Braff forever. <laughs> Which... <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys are having this conversation as you're moving through the woods. Um, I'm going to have uh, you guys can make a group survival check. So one person make it with advantage. And basically what you're doing is you're looking for a place to stop. Is that kind of what I'm gathering? You guys were talking about getting a campfire or something? Just something to warm up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, something to sleep. Even if it's just a cuddle puddle for an hour. Uh, Ebby can roll that. Okay. Yes, please. I was going to nominate Ebby. Uh, 17. Ebby rolled a 17 and a 9, so his advantage roll is 17. Awesome. You guys are trekking along. Um, it's hard to tell how much time has passed uh, just because it's so dark. It's so rainy. I, I hate to keep describing how miserable it is, uh, but it really is just you're in the, out in the middle of a storm and in the middle of a, a really bad, really bad rainstorm where the drops are like as fat as gumdrops hitting down on the on the <laughs> on the ground. I don't know how else to describe them. They're big, fat drops. It's not a mist. If 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 all of the raindrops were lemon drops and gumdrops, oh what a Dang world it. this would be! <laughs> Darn you, man! <laughs> you saw through my descriptors. All right. Oh, I was just gonna ask if Ebby would know, like, is rain this heavy pretty normal for this time of year? Ah, uh, that's an excellent question. Well, you know, it actually follows rain normal for this time of year oh yeah this is an autumn like a fall storm um you know uh a lot of these places that are kind of you know the 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 slight flooding are places that flood every year um uh but usually this kind of a a rainstorm will last you know 12 hours maybe a day and a half tops um this has been going on for um gosh 24 hours or more now this has been actually this has been going on for like 36 hours Okay, so it is a little weird, but people would still be prepared for, like, flooding and stuff. Probably, yeah. Yes, what we have here is a higher alpine rain or cloud forest, and so the rain is actually quite common, especially in these diluvial floodplains here that we find ourselves in. Mm, wow. Yes, quite. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you said. All right. <laughs> All right, as you guys continue to walk along after you roll a 17, um, after a while, you uh, you who can see in the dark, everybody except for Nari, um, you you see it looks like the trees have been kind of, uh, every once in a while you, you come across um, a stump. Um, so it's not, you know, it looks like somebody's been out here cutting down trees. And eventually you see in the distance, probably about, you know, 60 feet ahead of you, a clearing. And then you see a small stone building. Um, it looks like um, and the stone is not like a brick. It's like almost like river stone um, stacked on top of each other um, with a, uh, a nice tile roof. Um, but from where, where you're approaching from the you guys are kind of approaching this building from the west. Um, you can see that, uh, it seems like it's a single story building. It's probably, um, about, um, I don't know, like, uh, 50 feet or no, sorry, 40 feet long, um, on, on the one side that you can see, um, you guys can make, uh, perception checks as well. 
Oh, Pan got a 20. Dirty 20. Oh, of course, Nari has to <laughs> one up me. <laughs> oh, and Roos too. Okay. Roos got a 23. Nari got a 24 with disadvantage, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Ebby got an eight. Oh, man. So the light is very uh, low, but because of the, you know, the clearing out of the trees, because it's kind of cleared out around here, um, Nari especially, you can see that there is like a shape of a building here. Um, and uh, a couple things that you guys notice, um, no lights in the windows and um, no smoke coming from any kind of chimney. You do see that there's a... Uh, there's a chimney um and there's actually two chimneys on this building and there's no smoke coming from either one granted <laughs> it is probably about 3 a.m at this point well let's see if anybody's home it's out in the middle of nowhere it, it could be somebody that just lives in the woods by themselves so we should tread lightly we can take them <laughs> all right what's the plan Remember that even if there is no one here, we would be guests on somebody's in somebody's home. So let's be respectful. And then you guys are supposed to say, okay, dad. Okay. <laughs> the Russell, Russell kind of skulk up to the house to take a peek through one of the windows. Are you moving quietly? Are you trying to be stealthy? Yeah, I would like to try and okay. be stealthy. With a lizard on your face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why don't you make a stealth check? So here, here's the deal. This is what I realized. When you're looking through Ebby's eyes, it takes your action, right? Um, so your action is gone while you're using the dark vision. Yeah. Just a heads up for future reference. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I rolled a 25 on stealth. Fantastic. Even for those of you that can see in the dark, Roos basically kind of disappears. She kind of um, uh, ducks down behind a couple of like bushes and then um, all of a sudden... He's gone. Roos manages to slip right up next to the house. Um, you're right next to like a big wood pile. Looks like this wood pile. Um, I mean, this wood would get somebody through uh, a big chunk of the winter. Uh, so somebody's been stocking up some wood. Um, it looks pretty dry. It's kind of under the eaves. But the window, um, as you get there, it is like leaded glass. Um, you can try to make a peek through the window, but you can see the one thing you can definitely see is there's no light coming through the window. All right, so I will take a peek through the window, and I rolled a 10 for my perception. As you kind of pull yourself up and, and look in through the window, it's just dark inside. You can't make out any shapes of any kind in there. Okay. Um, is Can I open the window? Does it, does it move when I push it? Why don't you make an investigation check? Got an 11 for investigation. I rolled a 3 on that. <laughs> you can't find any kind of mechanism. You're not even sure if this window does open or not. Okay. You kind of start putting your fingers like around the edge of the sill and you don't feel any gaps. So either it's very well made or it doesn't open at all. I'd like to um, kind of shimmy around the building and look for an opening. Okay. Are you going to go north? Are you going to go south? I will go south around okay. the stacks of wood. Um, just kind of quietly move around the corner of the building okay you kind of get around to the edge of the wood pile and you can see that the front of the building actually has like a a wooden 
like the, the roof comes down and about 10 feet out over the front of the house. And there's like a, a covered porch on the front. Um, it's, it's like a, a wooden porch. Uh, looks like it's, um, relatively well-made, um, like dark wood aged, but you know, just like the, the, the craftsmanship is pretty good. Um, not like the craftsmanship of the mayor's retreat where that was like, um, almost like a mansion out in the middle of the woods. This is like somebody built this place with a lot of love and a lot of care. Now, are these these planks of wood, are they in disrepair or like rotten or are they in good condition? They look like they're in good condition. They're they've been here for a while, but they're in good condition. In fact, as you're looking, uh, I don't you don't need to make a check for this. You can see there's a couple places where um, some of the boards look new, like somebody's replaced some some of this, some of these planks that may have been rotting away or something. So somebody's been taking care of this place. Okay, I am going to head back to the party and I will let them know. I'll say, all right, guys, I, th- I think someone lives here. Um, there's a, a fresh stack of wood. Someone's chopping wood for the whole winter. It looks like there's a block of wood that somebody's chopping down south over there. I'll kind of point in that direction of the, the wood block. And I'll say, and the deck and the patio look like they're in good shape. Somebody's keeping this place up, so I'm, I'm fairly certain someone lives here. Hmm. Well, if there's somebody inside, maybe we could find a place around the outside under the eaves or someplace to stick, get out of the water. Around the outside, around the outside? Look, stay outside, <laughs> not go inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I need to knock on their door at this late hour, so maybe we can, we can bother them in the morning. If we go unnoticed, then all the better for them. Puts them in a much safer position than harboring fugitives. That's true. Yeah, I'd rather not have anyone stumble upon us and surprise in the morning either. If we can get out without being seen, I think that would be best. Everybody going to move up to the house then? Yeah, I'll move back up to the house. You guys all move back up to the house, um, kind of approaching the wood pile. Um, did you guys want to go and explore kind of around the house? Or are you guys just going to kind of stay here by the woodpile? Roos will sneak around the house. Okay. Just kind of walk the perimeter just to be certain that everything's okay. Okay. I'll let you keep your same stealth check because it was amazing. Okay. I'll start exploring while everyone else is getting settled. Okay. What's everybody else want to do? Well, I can't see, so I'm just kind of going to start taking the snooze and just trying to gain some rest here. Yeah, okay. We'll say that they lead you up against the wall, and then um, you kind of uh, sit down next to the wall and are able to just kind of take a load off for a bit. Anybody else? Everybody else is kind of hanging out there on the side of the building? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, Roos, as you go around the building, uh, you would go around the back and you see that there's uh, another window um, on the back, like east corner. Um, And again, you can't see inside. Um, But as you come around the other side, on on the west side of the building, you see another um, stone building. And as you kind of uh, approach it, you can kind of peek in and you can see what looks like it must be some kind of a stable. Um, The roof is lower. Um, there's some stalls in there. Um, and actually, uh, are you going to go inside? 
yeah, I'll poke my head in the door and just kind of listen for anything, any movement, any animals. Okay. You peek your head in. You see there's a wagon there. You see there's some hay, uh, like some some like bailed up hay. Um, but you also see that there's uh, there's a few stalls. There's like uh, five or six stalls, and they're all empty. There are no horses in this stable right now. It's like a barn slash stable. Okay. You also see you also see out in between both buildings. There's like a well, um, and it's cover. It's a covered well. There's a like a wooden cover over the top of it. Okay. Russell quietly walk back to the group and say, "I think I found somewhere more secure for us to sleep for the night." Wonderful. Follow me. All right, I'll follow. Leading crumbles. Yeah, and I'll lead them into the stable. Okay. Perfect. You guys all go around into this stable. Um, yeah, you see there's one, two, three, four, five, six different um, stalls. They looks like um, you guys can make like uh, investigation checks or whatever if you want to figure out kind of anything about this place. Sure, I'll make an investigation check. Ooh. <laughs> Ebby rolled a natural one. <laughs> Pine rolled a seven. Okay. Moose got a 26. <laughs> okay. Nice. And Nari got a nine, but I don't know how good that is when you can't see. Yeah, uh, Nari, you you are you find a good enough place. You, you, you uh, As you walk in, you feel this wagon, and you're like, you know what, that's a good enough place to kind of lay down. So you climb into the back of this empty wagon and lay down. That's about as far as you get. Honestly, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't even bother grabbing any of the hay to make it even more comfortable. You just lay down in the wagon. Um, Roos, as you're looking around this stable, you see it looks like um, the stalls are clean. Um, like they haven't been used, uh, or at least if they had been used recently, they've been cleaned out since then. Um, and, uh, you know, you're not really an expert with animals or anything, but um, it looks like maybe it hasn't been used for a while, uh, maybe weeks or maybe even months. You do, though, find um, a saddle as well as a bit and bridle. Uh, and that's about all you find out here in the stable. Okay. I'll point the saddle and the bit and bridle out to Pine and say, do you need anything like that for your new horse? <sighs> well, we've been we've been doing all right. I, it would be useful, but... I would hate for someone to come here expecting to to have their riding gear and be so far away from another place where they can replace it. Even if I did leave money. Hmm. Okay, well. I appreciate the thought, though. Yeah, of course. Well, maybe we can chat with the owner in the morning or just kind of abscond away without them seeing us. Yeah, I think the latter would be what I would prefer. Help me get uh, help me get Applebottom down into his own stall. Yeah, yeah, here, here. I'll walk over and, and help him lower Applebottom out. Um, Applebottom is still unconscious. I'll just check to make sure he's still breathing. <laughs> make a medicine check. Okay, medicine. That's a nat twenty four twenty. Okay, <laughs> you got a 20 <laughs> with your nat 20. Fantastic. Uh, it's a natural 20 and a dirty 20. Um, uh, Pine, you as you're checking on him, um, he's still breathing. His breathing seems kind of ragged, though. Not strong. Not like you don't think he's in danger of dying, but you get you get the impression that he's in he's in bad shape. 
Yeah, I, I, I figured he's probably got quite a few levels of exhaustion at this point. Yeah. Mechanically. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you're not, um, you're not a doctor, but I mean, basically you're fairly certain there's a concussion exposure, you know, dehydration, all those things are possible. Or let's give him back his crystal. That sounds fair. And I'll, I'll, uh, hand it to him or I'll kind of poke him and say, is he, is he awake though? Can he, can he attune to it? Well, I think he's already attuned to it. We did it before, but we kind of just balanced it over his forehead and it started to take. Oh, here, here, I'll let you do it then, and I'll hand you the... I'll try to do the same thing we did last time. Yeah, it just, you hold, you hold it there for a second, and then you start to feel it kind of moving in your fingers. When you let go, it just kind of starts slowly circling around his head, giving off like a little 10-foot um, nimbus of light. Perfect. And then I'll, I'll close that, that uh, the door to his stall. There's a door, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a solid door, but, um, but yeah, it'll block some of the light. I think before Pine does that, um, I want to know if you're cool with this, Paul. I want to go in there and see if I can do a combination of a medicine check as well as use a first level spell slot to try to heal up some of what's going on and see if I can stabilize him so he's not deteriorating. Okay, but you want him to stay unconscious? Uh, whether he stays unconscious or not, I don't necessarily care. I mean, okay. it'd be great if he does, but more so I want him to just stay healthy. Okay. Um, yeah, so we'll say you can use the one level one spell slot, and then if you can do a medicine check, um, difficulty 12 or higher, you can keep him unconscious. Cool. Okay. Let's give that a shot. Uh, 15. All right. How many hit points do you give him? Let's do Erdos's touch on him and heal him for seven hit points. Okay. All right. Um, Pine, you've been kind of watching him and you instantly, you see his breathing become more stable. Perfect. Perfect. But he does stay asleep. At least you assume he's asleep. He still has a a hood over his head. Okay. Well, let's start, let's set up some watches. Although I, I don't know if we are going to be able to get a full night's sleep. It'd be nice, but... We need to be ready to move on a moment's notice. At least just a couple hours. Yes. Before we get moving again. All right. You guys talking then like a short rest? I I think that's really the safest. Yeah, I, th- I feel like a short rest is kind of all we have time for. Okay. All right. So you guys are going to hang out here for about an hour? Yeah, yeah. Just long enough for Nari to get a, a nice nap and then hopefully be somewhat refreshed to everybody uh, to, to move on. Okay, so then here's what we'll do. Why, how about everybody will... Um, you guys can do your your short rest, burn your hit dice, however, you wanna, however many you want to do. Gain back whatever skills or abilities. Um, and then if you guys want to have a conversation for this hour or something. That's fine. All right. I am just doing that, all that in D&D Beyond, and then I'd love to have some conversation. I really want to talk about the, the prophecy, guys. Well, really, real, real quick. So you guys rolled some hit dice. So how much did everybody get back? Nari got eight. Are you only going to burn one die? 
Oh, you can. Oh, I had no idea you could burn more than one. Haha. You can burn as many as you want, but then you only get half up. You only get up to half back with a long rest. So if you've got five hit die and you burn four of them, um, you only get, I think, three back with a long rest, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will definitely do a couple more than at least I'll do two. So I got a nine on that second one. And how much was the first one? Eight. So 17 total. Awesome. Yeah. Bruce burned four of his hit die for the rest and got uh, 23 health. Nice. Pine used two and got back up to max with uh, by getting 10 more hit points. Nice. And has Ebby, has Ebby even been hit? Ebby took a little bit of damage, um, but only like three points of damage. So he's pretty close to full. So we didn't I didn't use any hit dice for Ebby. OK, cool, cool. All right, perfect. All right, yeah, you guys are just kind of hanging out in this stable. Um, we'll, uh, I'm assuming you guys are going to kind of close uh, uh, as much as you can, uh, like, uh, not close, but move out of sight. The door, there's no door on the stable. Um, the, the only doors in the stable are the stall doors for the horses. Um, everything else is kind of open. So I'm, I'm assuming you guys are going to kind of tuck, tuck in, like, around the hay and stuff to kind of keep warm and be comfortable. and. Uh, and stay out of sight. Yeah, Roos will, will tuck around the, the corner by the wagon and the hay bales. Are those, are they bailed up or is it just like piles of hay? Uh, they're bailed up. They're bailed up. But it's not super tight like, um, like you know, when a machine does it now. It's, I mean, you can, you can loosen it up a little bit. Yeah, so I'll, I'll loosen it up, loosen up some of the hay and kind of press it against the wall and just kind of rest sitting in the corner. Okay, and and I would want to make sure that Apple Bottom and Crumbles, if they're in if they're in any stalls, that they're in one not right in front of the open door. Gotcha. So they'd be off in the corners. Okay. The way that I'm picturing it, you guys are all kind of moving up towards kind of the north side of the stable, um, out of view from the doorway. Okay. Exactly. Um, any lights yeah. at all, or no lights except for that little crystal? I say no lights. So the only light that Nari can see is just that little bit of light coming off of Ramsey. Nari can't see anything. She is snoozing. Oh. <laughs> Nari is out. So Roos is going to pull Gigi out of his pocket and just kind of like scratch the top of her head and say, all right, Gigi, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to stand outside in the rain and come and let me know if anyone comes in here or comes towards the barn. Okay. Awesome. I could, I could send out crumbles as well. I think uh, if he should he spot anything, he would be able to let me know as well. Yeah, Crumbles is uh, currently uh, laying down in the stall, like legs underneath him mm-hmm. uh, or her, um, chomping on some hay. Him. Him, uh, chomping on some hay. Crumbles is a good boy. <laughs> Gigi, Gigi's a little less conspicuous than an Alaton. That's true, that's true. But uh, Crumbles is welcome to, to you know, Go back into the forest and watch from a distance, maybe. What do you think, Crumbles? Want to rest or do you want to scout a little? It might be better to have him have eyes on Ramsey. Oh, Nari's talking in her sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine that Nari is not necessarily asleep, but definitely eyes closed and drifting. Um, Crumbles um, actually kind of puts his head down and... uh, uh, takes a like like wants to rest 
You've earned it. And Ebby, if you you're you're there nearby, you sense from his body language as well as as his like uh, low uh, like calm bugling that he does, just kind of the, that he's tired. Um, he is a fey creature, but he still is subject to exhaustion, just like the rest of you. And he has been going. Uh, even remember when you guys were on the ship, he was running alongside. So oh, that's he's, true. He's, he's oh, tired. poor poor boy. Yeah. I think even even Crumbles is going to need a rest here pretty soon. All right, well, let him take it. And in the meantime, I think we have some things to discuss. I um when when I heard the words of the prophecy, the the prophecy about the heir of of Everlyn, um, I was immediately struck by the word pedal in in this in the second half. Um, obviously you know that my, my late wife, her name was Petal. And then the next line says, the tree grows strong and our, our family name is Pine. And, um, <laughs> I'm no arborist, but I'm pretty sure a pine is a tree. <laughs> I don't want to assume that this prophecy is in any way speaking of me, but I can't help but find myself in the words. Yeah. It does vaguely sound like it's talking about you. I just can't make heads or tails of what this has to do with the air. Or what you would have to do with the air. Hmm. What What are the words of the prophecy again? Let's... Do you want to go through line by line and see if we can make any sense of it? Yeah, we can, we can read through it again. Look at this and try and figure it out. Do I need to read it or you guys got it? We've got it. Should we reread it for the audience? Well, I mean, if you guys want to read it um, in line by line, oh, here, oh, you know, let's what? let's reread the whole thing, and then we can go like line by line or couplet by couplet and try to figure out what it's saying. Can I? Can we get Ebby to read it because he's the only one who actually heard the whole thing word for word from the source's mouth? Yes. Yeah, mine was garbled through Gigi's ears. Yeah. <laughs> You kept hearing like the, the licking and the slapping of a tongue on an eyeball. Yes. So as I recall, this was the prophecy that I heard. A king I see in raiment fine. Upon his flesh the worms now dine. The line of Everlyn is strained. Within one child its blood remains. Atop the trees a shadow lies. The mountain Tabor blocks the skies. The air in ignorance who plays. Amongst fallen leaves and shortened days. And then the additional portion went like this. When mountain's ink begins to break, and Moshe's oar a breath does take, when petal falls but tree grows strong, what once was stopped again moves on. The ancient knowledge is unearthed, a plot of ages long since birthed. What was to be may yet hold sway, if the angel has his say. Hmm. Well, the the part about the heir of Everlyn is mostly the, the first half, right? Uh, there's a king in Raymond Fine who's dead. The, the worms died on his flesh. Uh, and the line is strained, so only one heir, the one child is blood remains, so there's only one heir to the Everlyn throne. And then it says, hmm, 
Atop at the trees, a shadow lies. The mountain table blocks the sky, so that's where they get the idea that the that the air is is somewhere near Tabory in the the shadow of Mount Tabor. Um, and then in the air in ignorance, who plays? So the air doesn't know he's the air, or she. I think you're correct. And then months fallen leaves and shortened days. That seems to me to speak of the autumn right now. Exactly. It also sounds really childlike. Nari's going to kind of sit up and just grunt this out. And it, it seems childlike. Do, do we have an estimated age of what the air might be? I don't know, but it does say he plays. Or she, he or she plays. Hmm. Roos, when you received your commission to try to track down the heir of Everlyn, did they give you any kind of hints or indications? I was just told to track down rumors. We we got information that there were rumors and the idea that an heir was somewhere in hiding around Tabory, and I was so I was sent out here to ferret out any of these rumors to figure out if there's any sort of veracity to them. Well, it would seem to me, based on the prophecy, that the air may not be hiding. The air may just not know that they are the air. But suppose if the air is actively hiding, is it possible that the, um, that the individual we met the other day, when I was out in the field having a lovely conversation with Porthos, who was it that you ran into there? It was, um, Colbury, Fulbury. Yes, but the woman. Oh, Mayor Joyce, the mayor of Tabury. How long has she been the mayor? More ten years or so. Uh, real quick, eight years. Oh, eight years. Ten years, give or take two. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to make sure. I said eight years a, a couple times. I just want to make sure that that's clear. It's eight years, which means, just a, a timeline point, I want to make sure that everyone understands. Eight years, meaning that she was the mayor for three years before the empire took over. Okay, so there's that. So yes, my as my memory serves, it's eight years. She was the mayor for three years before the empire took over. How long ago did the Everlyn line get extinguished or, or, or cease to, to serve in, in the leadership? Uh, was it when it fell? Can I make a history check on that, Paul? Yeah, go ahead and make a history check. Anyone can make a history check on this. It's fine. I rolled an eight. If it's not Menarest, you don't know what's going on. Nari got a five. Ebby rolled an 18. Okay. Um. Let's see. Okay, so... Sorry, late to the party. Roos got a 24. Nice. Okay, so, um, Ebby, you um, you know a bit, and then Roos knows a little bit more. Um, Ebby, you would know that um, Arkelvy fell, uh, or sorry, Everlyn um, fell to the Empire five years ago and became the province of Arkelvy. At that point, the royal line of Everlyn, some of them were killed off, some of them were taken captive, but the captives weren't treated very well. And so, Roos, you are aware that some of those captives were dying in in their captivity because of their mistreatment. Um, so 
when did um, the last uh, person in the line of Everlyn die in captivity? You don't exactly know, but it doesn't surprise you that maybe that last person in captivity died, and that's why there's only one heir left. Does that make any sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll explain that to everybody. Just look, they probably they probably all died off in captivity. There's probably one left somewhere. Well, that doesn't make sense. If the Empire is looking for them, they wouldn't be in captivity because the Empire would have them already. So unless they escaped, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I've got to stew, stew on this. Is it possible that the child is illegitimate? Like a bastard? Yeah, do we know if the uh, the former king was a philanderer? I I don't know anything about that. I didn't bump in those circles, if you will. You weren't privy to the former king's social network? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't privy to his social network, nor his sex life. <laughs> uh, we'll say, though, um, with your 24 in history, um, you know that... Um, that uh, promiscuity in the Everlyn kind of hierarchy was not uncommon, um, but definitely, you know, um, quote unquote, pure bloodlines were definitely preferred. Uh, but the idea that somebody might have a, a side a piece was uh, not unheard of. So question, what race was the royal line? Uh, they were human. Human with like regular ears. Regular ears. Okay. Do I? I smell smoke. I hear some wheels turning. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just maybe Scott the player has some wheels turning, but Roos does does is not turning those same wheels. I think I think it's okay that the rest of us are probably picking up on that same thing. So I think we can start to make those connections in character too. I think that's totally fine. Well, so that's the part about the heir of Everlyn. Um, the next part, we start to go into some seemingly unrelated pieces. When mountains ink begins to break, and when Moshe's ore a breath does take, when petal, this is part, part about me, when petal falls, but tree grows strong, what once was stopped again moves on. I don't know what any of that would mean. I mean, any glaciers that we know that are melting and not not flowing anymore well if 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 petal and tree refers to me again don't want to assume that i'm important enough to be part of some prophecy but uh nari you're from the mountains and you're covered in some sweet ass ink (laughs) (laughs) i do got some sick tats going on and i i have noticed that that this one ring it's it started to break up, which is not a normal, obviously not a normal thing to have happen. So I guess maybe it could be related. Are you showing that tattoo to everybody right now? Yeah, I would like, roll. well, I would roll up my sleeve and kind of glance around, but I can't really see. All I can see is a glow of light <laughs> near uh, <laughs> Apple Bottom. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm facing the right direction. <laughs> when you look around, all you see is this really nice ass up in the air. <laughs> all of Roos's things are balanced on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take a uh, Pine will go over and take a look at the at the tattoo. Yeah. 
you, you see one of these bands around her arm. Uh, it looks like it's got like a uh, cracking through like a spiderweb uh, fracture, like in a, like on a window when it like, it's a, a rock hits it and it spiderwebs out kind of like that, except for the, the spider webbing is actually the skin color um, going through the darker color of the tattoo. Hmm. I mean, it looks like if somebody had done that tattoo on purpose, it would be quite intricate. Um, but you don't remember seeing that the first time you met Nari. Is it? That's amazing. So Moshe's ore. Um, Evie, do you does does Moshe have a specific ore associated with with him, like iron or magnesium or tin or something? I don't necessarily recall. Uh, Paul's at something that like might ring to Ebby. It, it, not really. I mean, Moshe's ore. Moshe is uh, growing things and uh, and life. So ore is kind of a dead mineral, right? So, I mean, Moshe's ore is kind of uh, almost an oxymoron, right? You know, of all of the deities of which I recognize all of them, but I seem to have a closer connection to Moshe. And Lady Artarian as well, but even primarily Lord Moshe, to create, to suppose, or, or, or to provide some sort of a supposition here, if that first line dealing with the mountain's ink beginning to break is a reference to Nari, could this Moshe's ore be a reference to me? Well, I do believe that, um, sorry, I'm sorry, I, I just, I started to say that and I felt like I was, uh, a Southern, a Southern belle. I do believe, um, <laughs> I oh, declare. I, yeah, it would have been declare. I do declare. Yeah. Well, I, I, be, I believe that there are enough coincidences now that it's too much to ignore. So, um. When I look through this, pardon, when. When I think about this, I see all of you three in this prophecy. Doesn't seem related to me. Well, there's 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 two other people left in the prophecy that I can think of. There's uh, the heir themselves, and then there's this angel. Are, are you an angel, Roos? <laughs> you know, perhaps an angel of death, but I don't usually kill people. I just arrest them. <sighs> Allow me to... Further offer my own theory here, Roost, uh, known as Roost the Bastard, right? And we just discussed how it was not uncommon for the royal family to occasionally raise bastard children. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Who was your father, Roost? Yeah, there was... I... To be clear, you're insinuating that I'm the heir? Is it possible? You're from the area. <laughs> no, it's not possible. Why would I be the heir? Oh, man. I'm just some kid that grew up in the muds and Tabory. There's no way, no way that I'm the heir. A convenient place to hide a bastard child, no? See, you're right. You know, there's a chance that I could be it, but we don't live in 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 storybooks. This is 
this is really happening and there's no way that I would be the heir. We all saw your mom, Roos. You you could be the heir for sure. She could catch a king. <laughs> no, no. Let, there's no other evidence that would point to me being the heir other than the fact that I'm a bastard. We could run back to Tabory. I could round up countless other bastards that don't know who their fathers were that could easily fit that same description. Roos, you don't look too much like your sister. In the ears, mostly. (laughs) That's true. And the hair. We don't have the same hair Uh color either. But I I grew up with... Maybe I'm just... Maybe I just never put two and two together. I always just assumed that the man I grew up with was my father. Is Kira your older sister or your younger sister? She's my older sister. Hmm. How much older? She's five or six years older than me. Well, and she may, she may remember something from that time in your family's life. We should ask her. (laughs) Ruth, this is real. This is exciting. And I'm remembering now when Paul first introduced the characters, he called you a sneaky bastard. I was introduced as a (laughs) sneaky bastard way back when. Paul, you're the sneaky bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I have no No. idea what you're talking about. (laughs) No, Pine, look, we can ask her. We'll throw it out there. But if if she had any more information, she would have told me when we were kids. She would have told me when I... Well, maybe she wouldn't have told me. Ah, yes. Treachery. (laughs) A quick question for you, uh, Roos. Was your mother ever employed by chance? Did she did she have a profession or a career? Yeah, she uh, she was basically a maid for most of our lives. She cooked and cleaned for uh, noble families here in Tabury. We haven't had many many nobles for some time. It's mostly just the, the local governor, but she she's cleaned for the wealthy for as long as I can remember. Guys, no, no, I, I can't let my mind go there. I'm closing my eyes. It's too late. The rest of our minds are, are way past there. <laughs> I'm going to close my eyes. If Ebby could wink or smile, he would totally do that. But he just <laughs> stares blankly at Roos this entire time. <laughs> we're, we're already at the gift shop there buying T-shirts. <laughs> I imagine Ebby's like drawing emojis in the dirt like this. Is, this would be what I was to be doing if I could. winky face (laughs) yeah you're just saying it winky face (laughs) semicolon parentheses whatever you feel about your role in this prophecy there are still more lines um that's true when petal falls but tree grows strong what once was stopped again moves on um that makes me think of We've been talking a lot about um, the the key and the stasis. The ancient knowledge is unearthed, a plot of ages long since birthed. Again, I think that applies to... Maybe that book? What we've been discovering, yes, the, the book. Mm-hmm. What was to be may yet hold sway if the angel has his say. Hmm. The only angel I can think of is uh, is Iramil, the uh, the angel of unity of the empire. 
Huh. Well, that would that would make sense since all of those those patterns that we saw in that that ancient temple were of the same of Eremil's colors. Oh, I don't real, know. Real, real quick point of order. They weren't Eremil's colors. That was the imperial colors. Eremil's symbol is a hand with wings on either side of it. But his symbol Napoleon that people Dynamite. will do. Yep, that's, that, right. that's, that's the symbol that they will do like as a, as a gesture. They will do like the Napoleon Dynamite birds like, over their heart. But the sign is actually like on the flags and stuff is actually a, a hand uh, with the fingers up to uh, pointing up, palm out in front of like almost like saying stop. And then there are wings on either side. The question to me, and this kind of is Chancellor Ramsey had said something about um, the angel having kind of a plan or something when he spoke of the inevitability of everything it dealt with with something here is it possible that there is some machination underway and in the works currently this plan that uh the angel had laid the foundation for perhaps centuries ago and that that plan is beginning to unfurl now we yes i mean if 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 that plan is what we've been talking about as inevitability, then it would seem that the angel is on the side of the inevitable. That he's, uh, that Applebottom is firmly in the corner of their angel. Wanting to make it happen again, or continue where it left off. Paul, I know that, um... Eremil, like, is one of the gods that's worshipped, but is he, like, specifically the Empire's god? Like, did they bring him in? Or is he something like Tabory and that area would have already worshipped? So the angel of unity, Eremil, is, um, he was strictly a an Almerian deity that they worshipped. So Almar... Um, actually, it's not even Almar. It whatever the previous name of Almar was that is written down somewhere that I don't have on the tips of my fingers. But um, when the Almerian Empire was formed, um, the Angel of Unity was kind of their deity that they spread to the rest of the empire. So it did start with the empire, or at least the beginnings of the empire, worshipped Iremil, uh, this Angel of Unity. Okay. So no, Tabri would not have worshipped. Iremil. And in fact, he's kind of a foreign god, which is kind of one of the reasons why I like the fact that you guys have a hard time saying his name, because he's 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 different. He's not what you're used to. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. So this this prophecy seems to be less and less about the air and more and more about what we've been discovering as of late. So maybe the Empire isn't interested in the air as much as the rest of the prophecy. And that's why they're here trying to get the rest of the prophecy to go through and be fulfilled. Yes. On its surface, the first part of the um, prophecy seems much more straightforward and, and interesting to people like Fallen Heaven. What does it say we do? If we're in this prophecy, what do we do? 
Well, I think you just need to grow strong. <laughs> as, the, as they say in Minarest, déjà fait, mon frère. <laughs> uh, did you are just the Minarese French? <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did my uh, scarf uh, translate that to? Already done, brother. <laughs> it makes me wonder if perhaps the the prophecy here is not so much I wonder if it's not even complete it's simply telling it's telling us almost things that we may already know that we exist that we were that we came together it's strange to think that perhaps that was foretold and it's also hinting at the angel uh, initiating or carrying out the plot that had been begun long ago. But in terms of the next steps, maybe there's another prophecy. Maybe. Or maybe more verses to this one. So, looking at the... Or thinking back on the prophecy. Sorry, listeners, I'm reading the prophecy right now. So when I say looking at, I'm looking at it. It says, when mountain zinc begins to break, Moshe's or breath does take, when petal falls but tree grows strong, what once was stopped again moves on. Maybe we don't do anything. Maybe we're simply signs or omens. The fact that we are here and that these, we, we're part of the circumstances that have started up this cycle of inevitability again. What's the point of a sign that nobody knows except for a handful of people? It, it, that, it just doesn't make sense. Hmm. Well, you're, you're looking for sense in the, uh, the prophesyings of a mad oracle. Yeah. This is why I don't touch religion with a ten-foot pole. Hmm. I was going to make a clergy joke there, but I won't. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> nah, man. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, it's a lot to think on. Bruce, what would you do if you found that you were the heir of Everlyn? Would you turn yourself into your superiors at at uh, Howling Talon? I, I don't even know how to process this. I'm trying to th to think about what it would mean, but I. What would I do? You know, let's let's say I'm the heir and I'm the rightful king of Arkle V. OK, that sounded weird. Um, let's just say that I am. What would I do? I don't have followers. I don't have people. I can't go and reestablish the throne. I don't even know if I want that. I, I just I, and and there's no evidence for this, you know. If I'm gonna go and tell my, if I'm gonna go and write a letter to Tigish or try and send him a message, am I gonna cite some prophecy that kind of matches up with my background? I mean, there's, it's tenuous at best. I, I just, I can't get behind this idea yet. Huh. That's fair. That's it. A lot to drop on you, and a lot of it is conjecture. 
I, I just really need to talk to Kira. Man, I think that's a good idea. If, if Kira knew, do you, do you think she really would have kept it a secret for this long? I mean, not even just from you, but from anyone. I mean, even as fallen heaven. I've traveled with you guys for some time now. I, Kira and I had a bit of a falling out, and it was my fault, so she doesn't trust me. And I don't blame her for keeping it from me if it's something that she did keep from me. I guess I thought that, you know, even with their strained relationship, she, you know, her loyalties to fallen heaven, it seems like might even be stronger than her loyalties to family. And, um, you know, it seems like she's looking for their as well, at least a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I really need to talk to her. Does Kira, has Kira even heard the prophecy? I, I, I don't know. She spoke of rumors, but... Maybe that's all she knows. Maybe she didn't tell you because she couldn't put that information together because all she knows is that there are rumors, not what the rumors are or what the prophecy was. Yeah. She didn't tell me very much because I rolled really bad. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there was a nine in there. Uh, that's, that's one of those numbers that I, I'm pretty sure I remember it was a nine. You're like, hey, so what do you know? Roll a nine. Rumors. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That was heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys sit here in the stable. Your conversation dies down a little bit. You you uh, start to ponder, and even some of you start to drift. Um, your plan to stay here for an hour ends up becoming a little closer to two before you guys kind of realize um, time is, is passing on. So... Um, nothing has happened so far. Gigi is still outside, keeping an eye out, and she hasn't sent any kind of a message to you, Roos. Um, things are quiet except for the patter of the rain on the roof, um, the occasional distant crash of thunder, um, and other than that, it's a rainy, wet night. As you guys... Well, are you guys going to stay here longer? Or are you guys going to pack up and go? I think we should pack up and go. Yeah, let's yeah. pack up and go. Okay. You, uh, you rouse Crumbles, and he gets to his feet. Come on, boy. Up and at them. <laughs> up and at them. <laughs> Thank you, radioactive man. <laughs> Crumbles kind of gets up and shakes his... his his kind of mane that, you know, elk have, um, and, uh, nuzzles your hand a little bit and then kind of, uh, lowers his head, uh, indicating to you that, you know, he's ready for whatever you need him for. You are a good boy. You're the goodest boy. And I'll ruffle his ears. And, <laughs> and Applebottom is still out in the stall next to, uh, crumbles. Um, after a couple hours, though, I mean, it's been now probably three or four hours, and uh, you see that he starts to shift and move a little bit more. Not awake, but um, rousing a bit. Okay, I'll check his check his his bound his bonds. I'll check his bonds. 
Okay. And then help get him back up on uh, time back to Crumbles. As you, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to get some help because. Oh, yeah, because I'm very weak. I think strength eight. <laughs> <laughs> Roos will help. But he's not very strong either. Nari can come <laughs> over and uh, help out. Nice. Now are you looking refreshing? I feel much better. I also couldn't help but notice the boots with the fur. <laughs> they look nice on you. Fashion is no accident. <laughs> nice. All right. <clears throat> so you guys get you get uh, Applebottom back up onto Crumble's back. You tie him on securely so that he won't slip off. Um, as you do, as you kind of get that last bond in place, this seems kind of like almost deja vu. It seems like just as you're tying him on, he kind of rouses a little bit more and he kind of hmm, 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 hmm with, uh, with the, uh, the gag in his mouth. He kind of shakes and fights a little bit. And it's almost like he remembers where he is and his shoulders slump and he goes quiet. But he is awake now. Welcome back to the waking world, Applebottom. I trust you had a decent rest. Will we continue our journey now? You hear a grunt in response. Mm. Right, let's head out, man. Yeah, you guys gather your things. You uh, pull straw out of your clothing. You take a step out into the um, open air to get poured on by rain again. And you see this house and this stable that has helped you get out of the rain for you know at least a, at least a couple of hours. And you venture forth again back out into the rain, back out into the dark. Who knows what is out there, but you know you have a place to get to. Uh, a decrepit, uh, run-down, abandoned settlement on the north shore of Westfell Lake. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for, for playing today. Uh, what a great session. Paul, thank you for DMing today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I love this lore stuff. I love listening to you guys figure stuff out and talk about the mysteries and the intricacies and, and get things way wrong. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, awesome. Uh, anything anybody wants to shout out or anything before we uh, cut for the night? Papa Murphy's. Let's <laughs> <laughs> sponsor us one day. <laughs> well, we stopped saying them so often, so we need to start bringing up Papa Murphy's again. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. No, seriously, if, if we're if we're shouting out anything, I just want to say I've really enjoyed the Nevers on on HBO so far. I'm only on episode three, so I don't know if it gets worse or whatever. Um, if it <laughs> ends up being absolutely terrible, don't at me. Uh, but I'm liking it so far. Awesome. Uh, anybody else? I just finished Invincible on Amazon Prime. Phenomenal. Very cool story. I've been meaning to check that one out. It looks pretty cool. It's really good. It's uh, Robert Kirkman wrote it. Same guy that did that wrote the comic for Walking Dead. Uh, not J. Jonah Jameson, but uh, what's his name? The Yellow M&M. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. He voices the Superman equivalent, Omni-Man in the show. And uh, Ewan is his last name. He was in, he was Glenn in The Walking Dead. He voices the main character in it. it it's such a good show. So well done. True to the, true to the comic. It, it's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. That's way cool. 
Didn't Glenn also voice uh, the uh, red um, lion uh, pilot from uh, uh, Voltron? Yeah, he was a paladin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Paladin. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'm gonna plug something. I had a some people give me some uh, some free hot sauce the other day. It's uh, two angry cats, and it was fantastic. So if you're looking for some hot sauce, if you like hot sauce, check out two angry cats. Real good. I think you just go to twoangrycats.com. That's the number two angrycats.com. Check them out. They were pretty good. That's a, that's a savvy business person using the number two instead of the word two. That's right. Yeah. Whoever, <laughs> anyone who uses numbers instead of uh, letters is, uh, is all right in my book. Damn sexy. Well, awesome. Well, anyways, thanks for playing. Uh, hopefully you guys had a good time. Uh, m- hopefully there were some questions that were created and maybe some things that were answered as well. But answered it correctly. <laughs> Very possibly. Um, anyway, yeah. So go ahead and tweet uh, about us using hashtag 12-SidedGuys, 1-2-SidedGuys. I'm starting to figure out how Twitter works a little bit, only by your guys' coaching. Um, also, yeah, uh, spread the word. Let people know we're out there. Um, give us a review, whatever. It all helps out. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, no, I said it wrong. It's have a great time. <laughs>